0: Welcome to SIDCast, a podcasting resource dedicated to telling stories and sharing the experiences of the sports information and athletic communications profession. My name is David Gibson. If you could, before you get any further into today's episode, go to iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you get this podcast, leave us a rating and a review. It only takes a few minutes and it allows for the show to grow uh, as we expand upon our listenership, our fan base and as well as telling the SID story. So uh, also be sure to go ahead and go over to Twitter and Facebook. Give us a follow at Sports Infocast on both of those platforms as well. And without further ado, let's get into today's episode. And welcome back to yet another episode of of what has been uh, an incredible, incredible month as far as downloads and views are concerned for us, impressions and everything like that. Uh, We have now with this episode, I'm going to count the analytics as a May because it did come out in May and it might even transition to June a little bit, uh, has been our highest downloaded month as of late, um, which is absolutely insane to me, about 1700, which is Uh, Defeats our previous record of August 2018 by about 100 with still an episode to go. So uh, I appreciate all of you have been able to do that. And uh, this little promo seems to be working. If you want to um, sign up for our newsletter, this is how you get all your episode information, new huddle posts, uh, new everything as far as SIDCast is concerned. You can go to sidcast.fireside.fm slash newsletter and it'll take you to a Google form, which will ask you, I I think, like three questions, your name, your institution, and then your uh, email address. And if you are changing jobs, and um, you want to uh, still be a part of the newsletter, uh, just let me know, and we will update that, um, and we will continue to get your stuff to you. So um, where we start off today is with Chris Mitchell. Met him uh, last year at CoSIDA, uh, very briefly. He was very busy, I understand, completely. Uh, finally able to catch up, and you got to gotta kind of keep in mind through this, uh, he's battling a cold, so go over to Twitter, find Chris, and say thank you for this interview, and thanks for toughing out the cold. Um, we'll talk about... Uh, what it was like for him kind of being an athlete at the Division Two level, then the NAI levels, McHenry. now they're Division II, um, and how that translates to how you work as a sports information director now. Uh, we'll also talk a lot about relationships here. Um, I know that that's kind of been a big topic, but we hit the nail on the head uh, as far as Chris is concerned. So I'm really excited for this one, guys. Uh, I hope you are as well. Hope everything else is going all right. Uh, we are getting into June. I am moving. Let's see. Uh, as far as this episode's coming out in about 21 days. Um, so we're getting counting down to awesome things. And I want to thank you all for being there and giving me words of encouragement, especially at a stressful time now. So, um, I won't get too far along here. I know that I kind of want to get you guys in and out. I know that these past couple of weeks have been pretty long for y'all. Um, be sure to look out for next week. We will have a co mega preview. Uh, Jeremy Rosenthal, Ira Thor, and uh, Lori Bollig will be coming out of the pond. Um, They will each spend about 15, 20 minutes talking about uh, what they are going to talk about, being whether it's what's new at convention, what to look forward to, the educational lounge sessions, the 5K, uh, which is another thing that we talked about today, and the service and goodwill and wellness committee. Um, That'll all be available to you guys next week, so be sure to look out for that. Uh, so yeah, let's get without any further ado. I think that's how you say it. I'm going to roll with it. How does that sound? Sometimes I cut that stuff out. Sometimes, uh, it's 11 PM and I'm really tired. Um, so let's start off episode 123. Shockingly, we are almost a hundred and a quarter through. It feels like just yesterday we hit a hundred. It feels like just yesterday we actually started this show, but, um, Absolutely crazy. 123 of SIDCast today, guys, with Chris Mitchell of the Wash U Bears. And uh, Chris' very first taste of sports information right here on SIDCast.
1: So I, I grew up in Granite City, Illinois, and uh, my sport background was I played uh, college tennis at mckendry university in lebanon illinois that was an NAIA school at the time now they're division two um, so as i graduated from mckendry um, i was looking for a career path where it would lead me and uh, i was looking to either go into the coaching world in tennis or um, sports information i worked as a sports information uh, student assistant my senior year in college so uh, it led me to um an assistant SID position at McKendree under Scott Cummings. Scott was a first year SID at McKendree coming from union college in Kentucky. So I worked for him for one year. And, uh, I just, uh, I loved the job. I loved all the aspects about what we do in sports information and that led to an internship at Duke university. And that kind of opened some doors for me at Duke. And, uh, after working at division one, I realized that, um, I, I really have a passion for small school sports information and uh, the relationships that you build with the student athletes. So I, uh, I'm, a, I'm a big St. Louis fan. I'm born and raised in southern Illinois, just outside of St. Louis. So I moved back to St. Louis and I've been at WashU for 18 years ever since.
0: You mentioned that uh, you played tennis, you got your first introduction to sports information as a senior in college. So I mean, what was that introduction like or some duties that you had doing? Um, Did you go to him or did he come to you to find some help?
1: So I actually, funny story you ask about that. So I I went to college to be a math teacher. And uh, (laughs) I struggled a little bit with numbers. That's probably not a good thing since I've been uh, working with numbers the past 20 years. But I actually, I do enjoy, uh, I I enjoy, uh, I enjoy numbers a lot. And um, so I, after taking two years of, uh, of math and struggling a little bit in college, I, um, uh, I looked for another path, a career choice, and, uh, they it led me to sports information. So my junior year in college, I actually applied for a position in the McKendree sports information office under Stacey Montooth, and there was no openings. So I changed my major. I went into communications and then my senior year an opening, um, I got a job in the sports information office and, uh, that opened me up to a lot of, you know, writing and learning stat crew. And, uh, you know, back then we weren't doing the uh, Photoshop and that kind of stuff, but, um, uh, and no video, definitely no video in, uh, 1998, 1999. But I, uh, you know, I, I got my feet wet, um, as a student and I was also the editor of the, of the sports sports section, the newspaper. So I did a lot of writing. So my, I feel like my strength early on was writing. So I definitely had to learn the other aspects of the job. Now at that time, writing was one of the most important aspects of the job. Now, not so much, but, um, so I think I held my own writing, but I needed to learn obviously the other aspects of the job.
0: What was kind of the was it kind of trial by fire as far as Stat Crew? Um, what were some other things that you weren't quite expecting to learn? Well, that profession? was
1: that was definitely the first thing was Stat Crew. Scott Cummings did a great job teaching me that, and uh, honestly, it's one of probably one of my favorite parts of the job. is Stat Crew, I still enjoy it a lot. I stat every men's and women's basketball game at WashU. I stat all of our soccer games, all of our softball games. Uh, but I was first introduced to Stat Crew through soccer and basketball and softball, and those are the sports I'm most familiar with. But I really enjoy stat crew for basketball. I still – I do – Brian Lavellet, the Slyak, SID, and I run a high school basketball tournament over the winter where we stat 31 games in three days. Wow. Not each. 31 total. So we split that up, and honestly, I something I've been doing for a long time now, and statting eight high school basketball games in a row in one day seems crazy. Um, but I actually enjoy it. I really do. And I enjoy the sport a lot. So um, being – you know, I'm just a numbers guy. I like I like to know numbers. And if I have an opportunity to work a game and, you know, be able to make an impact, that's, uh, that's how I've done it.
0: I, I worked in a lot of broadcasting stuff when I first got here to USI. And um, all the other broadcast undergrads are like, oh, I really don't want to do high school basketball. I don't want to do high school football. I just want to go – call a college game or something like that. I'm like, I really enjoy this. And I was like the, I was literally on every broadcast. It's a lot different when you actually enjoy the sport, right? Absolutely. I
1: I enjoy all sports. I I love high school sports and some of my friends are coaches. So I don't attend as many high school games as I used to Um, try to spend more time at home. If I'm free, since my wife is also an SID, so Mm -hmm. Um, (coughs) excuse me. So obviously I, uh, I try to, I, I stay around the sport, not necessarily high school, obviously as much of my free time, like I was saying.
0: Gotcha. So, um, you were a small college student athlete, as you mentioned, uh, how does that experience translate a little bit to how you are now at a small college SID?
1: Well, I think being at a smaller school, you definitely have a greater appreciation for everything. And also... One thing I think I've built is a really good relationship with our student athletes. Um, I don't travel as much as I used to. I used to travel to every football game, soccer, men's and women's basketball, and softball. Now, for the most part, I only travel in the postseason, which is many of our sports, but um, it's, you know, traveling is an opportunity where you get to meet and get to know your student athletes better than just, you know, the number 24 Mm -hmm. or the number 21. And it's also an opportunity to get to know their families. Uh, this pat, the past two weeks, I've been on the road with our women's golf team for four days at nationals down in Houston. Came back, we hosted baseball regional, and then the next day I was off on the road with our men's tennis team at the Elite Eight in Kalamazoo, Michigan. Those are great opportunities to get to, get to know the student athletes on and off the court or the field of play. So honestly, that's one of the parts of the job that I really enjoy is is being in a small school you get to know you get to know more of the student athletes i mean i've worked all the sports since i've been here you know today i was working on uh, a baseball resume that i'm designing for our all-american pitcher that just graduated uh, last week and he's trying to turn pro before he goes into the workforce so um you know i don't cover baseball but i've gotten to know this kid very well the last four years so those are You know, the relationships I've built with our student athletes, whether I cover their sport or not, is is probably one of the best parts of my job.
0: I like how you mentioned the families It was something that I look forward to, at least when uh, I'm moving now. But when I was here at USI, uh, Casey Eschweiler is one of our senior basketball players who just graduated. Her mom makes cookies and she makes like these like. A brown sugar like balls right in the middle of the dough. It's so good. That's something I look forward to. That's why I like the families a lot more, especially when they feed me, you know. so um,
1: hey, there's, there's nothing wrong with that. And, <clears throat> you know, getting to know those parents uh, is special because, I mean, you can have an impact, uh, you know, on a student athlete's career. One story I do want to share is uh, I was fortunate enough to cover a student athlete named Lizzie Christ from uh, 2000 and to 2017, Lizzie was a women's soccer player for us, 2016 All-American, National Player of the Year. We won the national championship. I spent a lot of time with this family. Um, you know, we've been to three out of the last final, three out of the last four final fours in women's soccer. Well, her sister recently just graduated uh, last week. So the two sisters have been part of our program the last six years. So I've gotten to know mm-hmm. this family real well um, due to the travel and the fact that, you know, both of them were first team all American. But the story I want to share is Lizzie was a finalist for NCA woman of the year, um, in 2017. And we were in Indianapolis for the award ceremony. Now, I was contacted a week out that Lizzie was going to be the honoree, which at division three doesn't happen a lot. Now we have had two NCA Women of the year since I've been at WashU. So, but one thing I did is I kept it to myself. I did not tell uh, one person. I didn't even tell our AD. And we had we had our uh, dean of students there. We had my uh, we had the boss or the boss of our athletic director. We had a real uh, we had a real big crew at this NCAA Woman of the Year ceremony. I kept it to myself. I did not tell one person. I didn't even tell our parents because I wanted everyone to enjoy it. And to be honest with you, last Uh thing I wanted to do was tell someone and then it was inaccurate. So, um, excuse me, so I, uh, I kept that to myself. She was announced as the NCAA woman of the year. Obviously, her family, you know, was very, was thrilled. And, you know, we took all kinds of pictures and all that after her acceptance speech and we were on our way to the media room to start, you know, to meet with some media and one of the NCA reps told Lizzie said, well, I'm just Mm -hmm. impressed your SID kept that to himself for the past week or two. And she looked at me and she said, so you've known the whole time. I said, I have, I said, I didn't tell anybody. So we walked into the media room and right before we started the, um, the interviews with the media she came over and she gave me a hug and just said, thank you for all the work, everything I've done for her for the last four years. And that thank you that she gave me is something that I've always mm-hmm. like have remembered because it's not all about, you know, like the cookies and the food and the, you know, maybe some some cold cocktails or something is, is an amazing gift from a parent or something just to say thank you. But uh, uh, the hug that she gave me and the small thank you that she said goes a really long way with me. So.
0: You mentioned, I mean, building relationships is something that I think is vastly important. And, and we talked with David Petrov a little bit a couple of weeks ago about how some SIDs might be cooped up in their office a little bit. What would you say to some SIDs to kind of get out of their comfort zone, maybe, you know, start building relationships with student athletes? Where would be a good place to begin? For I'll tell them? you, a
1: good place is exactly what we just talked about is um, travel with your teams a little bit, get out of your office and get to know them besides just the number on their back or the bio that you have on their website. Obviously we have 550 student athletes at WashU. I don't know them all. (coughs) I don't know every student athlete, not even close. I just met one today that is a senior that I knew who was a swimmer, but I didn't, I didn't know him because he Uh doesn't have a number, but I would recommend getting out traveling with your teams if you can because that's that's when you you'll really get to know them obviously with our men's and women's basketball teams with being in the conference that we're in seven of the eight opponents are flights so we i spend a lot of time they're four-day road trips so um, i still keep in contact with some of our student athletes and, and some of my interns too so my my uh i would recommend that get out and know them just besides a, the player and, uh, you know, travel with the team.
0: Perfect. I And you say the flights and stuff like that. I know that that's kind of – I know used to be part of the UAA or still a part of the UAA?
1: Still a part of the UAA. So we have eight eight schools in the UAA, and six of the seven that we travel to are by flight.
0: So that kind of sp- speaks a little bit differently for Division three and things like that. So can you kind of detail – I mean, people know WashU as – I'll say a kind of a smarter university, I would say uh, a lot of my friends, a lot of my friends who were, um, Oh gosh, top of their class, complete opposite of me, but top of their class, uh, were applying to WashU. And so what is this conference like? Can you kind of detail what it's been like? I know that isn't Case Western in it. Um, I mean, w- what is it like?
1: Yeah. So, so obviously it's, it's eight research institutions, Chicago, University of Chicago is the one school Mm -hmm. that we can drive to. We fly out to Case Western Reserve University in Cleveland, University of Rochester, Rochester, New York, New York University, which is in the Big Apple, Brandeis University in Waltham, Massachusetts, just outside of Boston, Carnegie Mellon University in the heart of Pittsburgh. We have Emory University in Atlanta, Georgia, and who am I forgetting? I don't know if I forgot anybody else. I think I got them all. So
0: what has that travel been like for you? I mean, cause that's a little bit different. You were at Duke obviously, but what's it been like at the D three level to have to get on a plane and fly to Atlanta and then fly to Massachusetts?
1: So I want to tell you the interesting, the, the hardest travel that we've done is on is the Rochester Emory trip. So, on Thursday morning, typically, we leave about 6 a.m. for a basketball road trip, fly through Atlanta to get to Rochester, practice, to both teams practice Thursday in Rochester, and we play two games Friday night in Rochester. On Saturday, you hop on a plane, typically, typically you go from Rochester back to Atlanta, practice Saturday, two games Sunday, and then you fly home Sunday night. So, <clears throat> obviously, it's a long four days. Um... But it's a great opportunity to spend some time with your student athletes, and also to see some other cities that you may not be able to see if you were in a local conference.
0: Yeah, I'm sure that that's kind of a little bit different. The weather in St. Louis might be uh, vastly different in Atlanta at one point of time or another. Um, I mentioned and
1: and whenever and just think about going from Rochester, New York, to Atlanta to St. Louis.
0: I mentioned Duke a little bit, and you mentioned Duke a little bit. What was it like? You've been in that Southern Illinois, St. Louis area for pretty much all your life, and then all of a sudden you're thrust into Durham, North Carolina. Um, was there any sort of culture shock for you, any adjustment as far as I was concerned? I mean, what was life like at that time?
1: Well, it was, uh, obviously, it was definitely, it was something, it was, uh, it, was an, it was an experience for me because I've lived in Southern Illinois my whole life. Uh, so I kind of, i have been a Duke fan since I was a young boy. And, um, so I worked at McKendree in 99, 2000, Scott Cummings told me you need to go to this convention. It's called CoSIDA mm-hmm. had no idea what it was. It was in St. Louis. So he said, I recommend you, you know, if this is something you want to do, you need to apply for some jobs. So I applied for some jobs. I got offered a job at SEMO and I got offered a job at zoo. And I told my mom and dad, I said, I'm applying for the Duke sports information internship and I said if I get it I'm gonna take it and I don't even care what it pays I said this is an opportunity of a lifetime for me and hopefully it will open up some doors and so I got offered the job Uh, Lindy Brown offered me the position uh, so he was the person I reported to and then uh, also um, John Jackson was my boss so I it was a great experience and something I would never, you know, I wouldn't take back in a heartbeat. It was, it was such a great experience. You know, our football team was 0 and 11 this year. Um, 0 and 11 that year and the men's basketball team won the national championship. Um, so it was definitely an experience working with high major division one student athletes. Um, now the sports that I was covering, um, I was working my tail off to try to get media coverage for, but the men's basketball program had no issues of uh, getting media coverage.
0: Yeah, I would say so. Um, Back to the building relationships. I mean, what can a SID do at a large university to build those relationships with their athletes, do you think?
1: Um, that's an int- – I mean, I feel like I got to new- know the student-athletes at Duke just because I traveled with all the teams, mm-hmm. um, similar to here. Um, so – you know, I don't think there's that much difference between um, Division One and Division Three. You, you know, you got to get to know your student athletes. So, but you're talking a little about the Duke internship. Uh, you know, I've a couple of my bosses, Lindy Brown, Art Chase, John Jackson, are all still there, and Lindy is someone that I really look up to in the profession, and he kind of taught me a lot of the ways. He taught me a lot about caring about his teams and his student athletes, and he's someone I look up to today, and he's going to be honored at CoSIDA. I put him up for an award, and he's going to be recognized uh, for his work at Duke for the past uh, 15 or 20 past 20 years, so I'm very excited about that. And Lindy was actually won the Division One Women's Golf Championship uh, yesterday at Duke, so it was an exciting time for him. <laughs>
0: Guys, just real quick before we get back to today's episode, I want to tell you about our new show sponsor, Presto Sports. Presto Sports and New Blue recently announced a strategic partnership to launch an innovative new sports streaming solution. With a shared vision to support the video demands of college and university SIDs, Presto Sports and New Blue are making it possible for one person to run a full-scale sports production. You can learn more, guys, at prostosports.com SIDcast. Now let's get back to today's conversation. Wow, absolutely. That must be fun. We had a the softball national championship division two last year. It was a lot of fun. The only problem is we tied the record for the national champion with the most regular season losses with 21. So uh, it, all those times are always fun. Um, it's about, not about how
1: you start, right? It's about how you finish.
0: Absolutely. You get like a fourth seed, fifth seed in the conference, win the conference tournament, win the regional, win a super regional, beat the number one team in the nation, and defending national champion, and then just didn't lose. So it was absolutely nuts. Um, But so your time at Duke had ended and like you kind of mentioned a little bit before you had some opportunities with Mizzou and with SEMO and now it's time to kind of move on. Were you looking to move back home? Um, Kind of same framing of question a little bit. What were you thinking? What was kind of going through your head at that time period?
1: So as my internship was concluding, I started interviewing for some jobs and I was a finalist at Miami Ohio and I flew out to Miami and I met with the SID and I got offered the position that was going to be the women's basketball position, in Miami Ohio. And, um, the night I flew in before my interview, I went out and I met the whole staff and hung out with the SID, went out uh, for dinner and stuff and chatting, getting to know them and, he was from st. Louis and so we talked a lot about the Cardinals and that kind of stuff and so I went back to Duke and I like I said I was offered the position and I called him the next day and I turned down the position you say why would you turn down that position well I wanted to come back to st. Louis I was pretty close to my family I enjoyed I enjoy st. Louis a lot so I turned the position down. So he calls, Mike Wolf was his name, calls me two days later. He says, You know, I'm very disappointed you didn't take the job. I respect your decision. But there's an assistant position opening at WashU in St. Louis that I think you'd be perfect for. And um, Mike was the SID at WashU for 15 years before he moved on to Northwestern and also Miami. At that time, Miami and then Northwestern. So he put me in touch with the AD. I applied. And about two weeks later, I was on my way back to St. Louis to become Wash U's assistant SID. So, so it's funny how one job led to another.
0: Yeah, I think I, I saw some conversations going on Twitter, actually. And I'm glad that you mentioned this because I did want to talk to somebody about this is staying in contact and building. I mean, we're talking a lot about relationships here, but building a relationship with somebody who didn't hire you. I mean, was it is it awkward in any way, do you think? I mean, what is the best way to go about doing that? Because for you, it worked out pretty well.
1: Yeah, it worked out well. I've been here, I start my 19th year at WashU next week, right when we're right when we're at CoSida. Um, hopefully, I made a good impression on Mike, um, and I think he respected my decision of why I was not taking the position at Ohio. I remember sitting in my boss's office, John Jackson at Duke, and he supported my decision to go to division three, but he also mentioned that, you know, that there's probably going to be some good opportunities for me. And I felt like this was my best opportunity. And with me being a small school guy, it, it ended up working out. You're talking a little about those relationships. I think keeping relationships are very important. You just never know when, Never know when you're going to need that relationship, It mm-hmm. also works the other way around. I've kept in touch with people that have worked for me, and then I've also people that I've offered positions before. Daniel Jenkins at, uh, at Daniel Percival at uh, Piedmont. I offered her a position a few years back, and she decided to stay with her family in Georgia, and I'm still good friends with her, and I keep in, see her at Kosida and keep in touch with her, so... You know, obviously, there's always a reason of why someone maybe is not going to take the position. So, and you got to respect that.
0: Perfect. Well, um, I want to fast forward here a little bit to the co of stuff, as you had mentioned. Um, we're going to have a big old co preview episode here um, in the coming weeks. And uh, so, we're having a big co preview probably coming up. Uh, I want to talk to you about, first of all, your involvement in the, in the Goodness of Wellness Committee. How did you get involved in co to begin with? I mean, you went from not knowing what it was to. I want to be involved in it. How did that work for you?
1: Yeah, I, I've been on the Goodwill and wellness committee probably for, I don't know, at least 10 years. Um, I can't, I, I was the membership committee chair maybe, I don't know, 10 or 12 years ago. I'm not for sure how I really stumbled on the Goodwill and wellness committee, but, um, Ryan Klinkner and Sam Atkinson had started this committee a long time ago. Um, we held our first 5k I think 10 years ago and then uh, when we had the 5k in St. Louis <coughs> which I think was in 2011 I think when we had COSIDA in St. Louis um, I served as kind of the the hosting chair of the for the St. Louis and I was very involved in COSIDA that year and I think that I think that year got me way more involved and I could see that, you know, this is something I wanted to to get more involved with. So I hosted the 5k in St. Louis downtown and set up the course and, you know, hired all the people to work and all that. And ever since then, I've got more involved uh, with our committee and I think I'm in my fourth year of serving as our chair. And honestly, the Goodwill and wellness committee is a way for me to give back and, obviously, the profession has given me so much and so many of my closest Uh friends, and my wife is also an SID. So um, I I live in the same house with an SID. So, so obviously, the profession has given a lot to me. So I'm this is a way for me to give back. And, uh, and I always talk about making making a difference. And I feel like I can make a difference just being on this committee, not so much leading the committee, because we have a lot of we have a lot of phenomenal people on this committee that do a lot of work mm-hmm. so it's definitely not me we we are a group and you know obviously we're trying to raise money to make a difference and obviously we got some pretty cool events coming up here at at Coastside of 19
0: yeah, it's not, it goes beyond the 5K, right? I mean, what what other stuff do you guys have going on? And So there's some service projects, right?
1: So I'm going to, yeah, I'll talk a little bit about, so I know Jeremy is going to talk a little about the 5K and he's done a tremendous job with the 5K. I mean, we're, we're looking forward to having almost 300 runners this year and we've paired with NACTA to, uh, to expand it. But our other parts of the committee, we're hosting a community service project on Monday, June 10th from like two twenty, Well, the buses will be leaving and the event will run from three to five. We're going to provide 200 new shoes to kids through Samaritan's feet at frontline outreach down in Orlando. We've actually done this a few times, uh, in the past years, Ryan Davis from the Missouri Valley conference is our chair of this event. He does a phenomenal job. Um, so what we do is we go down there for about two to three hours and, uh, Two hundred kids are going to get new shoes, and uh, it's a it's a pretty awesome day. We don't do Samaritans' feet every year, but we have done it a few times down in Orlando. We've had some really other cool events that we do. We always do a community service project. So last year we made peanut butter and jelly sandwiches. <coughs> excuse me, and also some trail mix bags, but that was over in uh, in Maryland. Perfect. <coughs> Community Service Project is an amazing event. It's a way for our SIDs to give back. And then we also encourage a lot of our SIDs to bring some items that are on the cosida.com website that people can donate. One of our other um, exciting features of the committee is our volunteer 15 program that was started five years ago. So all committee members on the Goodwill and Wellness Committee have to complete 15 hours of community service um to stay on the committee obviously that's never a problem for anybody but last year we topped 5000 hours across Cosida and we're hoping to top 5000 again and Megan Harden from St. Edwards is our she's the vice chair of our committee and also oversees the volunteer 15.
0: Perfect. Well, you've mentioned a lot of past guests on the show so far. Um so, how can people get involved with this? I mean, you say the buses leave. Do they just show up for the buses? Is there a sign-up list? I mean, for someone who doesn't know, how do they get involved with something like this?
1: Sure. So, you can sign up on the coSide website. There'll also be a big push on social media in the next week or two um, for the community service project and also the five K and fun five uh, K fun run and walk. So. You'll see a lot of information on that uh, recently. So all you got to do is sign up. It's free. The community service project is free. So sign up for that online and uh, hopefully, uh, hopefully we'll have a full bus uh, headed over to Frontline Outreach.
0: Perfect. Well, we hope so too. Um, anybody who is on the fence about running the 5K, what would you have to say to them?
1: Well, Jeremy made a small little change this year. So if you're on the fence, first of all, you got to get your butt out of bed because it's at 630 in the morning. Mm -hmm. So that's the first thing. But sign up, you get a t-shirt provided by Winning Streak out of Dupont, Illinois. Um, The three sponsors this year are College TV Tickets, Score Shots, and Levi Recognition. So those are our three main sponsors. But if you don't want to run the 5K, we're going to have a two-mile walk this year. So that'll be the the newest addition for our five K run and walk. Um, so if you feel like, Hey, five K is a little too far, we have a two mile walk for you.
0: Perfect. Um, I know that when I stayed at the hotel in Orlando two years ago, uh, went for runs just about every day before the convention actually started. Um, and, uh, it's about a mile all the way around the, uh, <laughs> the convention, the whole, the hotel. Yeah. yeah.
1: What we do is we actually mm-hmm. golf course in the morning we'll run about a mile and a half out and then you'll turn around and come about a mile and a half back. So it's actually, a, it's actually a really nice course. And, uh, last year we raised about $5,400 in DC. So we'll see if, uh, see if we can do that again. Next year will be our 10th anniversary for the five nice. K in Vegas. So, uh, we'll see, see maybe we'll have a glow run or a night run walk for that. We'll see how that goes.
0: Yeah, that might either that or actually run the race at six in the morning. One of the two, that would be one thing that I, I know, uh, division two track is running their national championship today. I've got two runners, uh, down in Kingsville, Texas. I used to be a track athlete myself. I was a 10 K guy, hell no to Kingsville, Texas. And I might have a little trouble with the, uh, the Vegas one. Cause I plan on being there. Um, one thing I do want to talk to you about that you've already mentioned a few times, your wife is also an SID. So how does that kind of schedule aligning? I mean, how does that, how do you guys work together as far as that's concerned?
1: So my wife, Marion Mitchell, she's associate AD, uh, for sports information at university of Missouri, St. Louis. So they're a division two school and Southern mm-hmm. Indiana's conference. So, um, it, it's interesting throughout the year. We do make time for each other, and that's probably the most important thing. Um, Thursday nights is like our date night. So tonight is Thursday, and we're going out for Mexican. We go out for Mexican every Thursday night if we can. Um, obviously, we're big sports fans, um, so we do watch a lot of sporting events you know, together. But um, people always say, how do you guys – do you guys ever see each other? not in the summer I said yes Mm -hmm. we do because we find time to see each other obviously during basketball season and you know this being in the GLVC the GLVC Mm -hmm. plays on Thursday and Saturday (laughs) the UAA plays on Friday and Sunday so during basketball season we have eight basketball games in a span of about four days so obviously um that is probably the toughest part of the season now Marianne is by herself at UMSL. She is the lone SID. So in the spring, very tough on her. She's mm-hmm. covering baseball and softball, it seems like, every day. I uh, Wash, you were fortunate enough to have two SIDs, so I cover softball. My assistant covers baseball. So I'm home a little bit more in the spring than she is. Actually, I'm home a lot more. But we definitely spend time. Um, we, we find time for each other. There's many a Friday nights where 9, 9.30, 10 o'clock, you'll see us at Bendy's. It's a little sports bar where we live in Grant City. Both of us will be on our computers. We'll be watching a baseball or basketball spot, game huh? <laughs> and having a cold beverage to end the day. That's kind of our spot. And we don't go there much in the summertime because uh, we're at home a lot. But um, that's our spot, you know, a lot during the year.
0: Perfect. Well, I'm going to have a question about your uh, restaurant bar recommendation here in a little bit, but I'd like to transition to the part where i like to have some fun questions. First one I have for you, Chris, is um, favorite memory in your professional tenure.
1: Favorite memory in my professional tenure. Um, I'll be honest, when when I uh, was awarded the Warren Berg Award last year through COSIDA, that was definitely one of the top memories, um, in my professional career, just because obviously there's been so many great people that have won that award and and it's such a prestigious honor. So that was, that was a, that was a a real neat experience for my wife and I. What
0: about the other side of the coin? If you don't have one, that's fine. Some people do, some people don't. Uh, Biggest horror story. (laughs) Biggest (laughs) horror story.
1: Oh boy. Okay, I think I got it. I think I got it. I just thought of it. So 2015, I think we're in the baseball regional, and we had lost like 13 straight regional baseball games. So I am in beautiful La Crosse, Wisconsin with our baseball team, and kid goes out throws a nine-inning shutout. Bears went 2-0. Mm-hmm. Fired up, man. I was fired up. I'm on the bus writing my story. We're getting ready to go to Taco John's for dinner. Sitting with a freshman and working on my story, obviously not a long story because Mm -hmm. the Bears uh, won 2-0. But uh, my screen went like green, and then it went purple. And uh, the freshman sitting there next to me. I said, have you ever seen this before? And he's like, Chris, I think your computer just crashed. Uh And sure enough, the computer crashed. Uh, So I lost my whole story. Not a huge deal because – Scott Nelson threw a complete game and didn't take me that long to uh, finish that story up. But I uh, went back to the hotel and got on like a 1998 computer that had slow, like dial up internet, re- rewrote my story, posted it, and um, Lacrosse was nice enough to let me use a computer for the next day. And then the following day, WashU shipped me an extra computer that we had had here and I used it. So that's my one horror story is my computer crashing but it, but it all
0: worked out. In the end. Yeah. As long as it all works out, I, I, it would be a lot different if a computer never came back to you, I, I would say. Um, yeah.
1: And you know, nowadays with everything going to the cloud, if that would happen right now on my computer, obviously I'd be very disappointed, but um, you know, I'd eventually get all my files back. So
0: yeah, yeah no big deal. Um, and, uh, sun always comes up. That's right. So, um, it's not the end of the world. Right. Uh, in your mind, what traits or characteristics make a good SID? Uh,
1: communication, I think, is is a big one, and we've talked a lot about that today. I think you got to be able to communicate with your coaches, your staff, your student athletes. Um, another trait, and and I hope my coaches and student athletes know this: you have to care. Okay, it doesn't matter about wins and losses. Um, we've had we've won a lot of national championships when I've been here. We've won a lot of games, but it's all about you got to show your coaches and your student athletes and staff that you care about their teams, whether my football teams three and six or my football teams eight and two, my football coach gives me 110% every single day. So in return, I want to do the same or even better for him. And it doesn't even matter what his team's record is. So communication, you got to show you care, um, you got to be able to multitask. Obviously, there's so many different, there's so many things going on now with our job with, you know, writing and video and social media and graphics. Um, you got to be able to adapt. I think that's a big one. Um, no one ever taught me Photoshop. No one ever taught me iMovie, but I've got to adapt and learn. And I've taught myself how, you know, to get better at graphics, how to make graphics and Um, to do more video and try to get creative with that because that's where our business is taking. So adapt, being able to adapt, I think is a big one.
0: Awesome. Um, What's one thing you're looking forward to, to kind of learning more about in this profession?
1: That's a great question. Uh, Probably the last two that I talked about. I mean, I, I want, you know, I want to try to get better at my job. And obviously I've getting ready to start my 19th year here, but I can get better. And there's, many a ways to get better. So that's why like at COSIDA, there's a lot of opportunities with the educational lounges and some of the panels of things that we can learn. Maybe it's, uh, within iMovie or within Photoshop or just how to make WashU a better place and how to, you know, promote our student athletes a better way.
0: Uh, work-life balance. What do you do to have fun?
1: Well, you you talk about work-life balance. That's probably something that I need to work on a lot, but, Mm -hmm. um, that just, I hope people realize it just shows that I care a lot about WashU, and, you know, I want to make thing make sure things are done correctly and, and in a first class operation, but things like do for fun, Marianne and I like to go to country concerts a lot. Um, especially in the summertime, we do like to travel. We're going to Nashville for the CMA fest right before Cosida. We're actually going to leave from the CMA fest to go to Cosida, Um, in, July, we're going to go out of the country for a week. It's something that we always take a vacation um, at the end of July. Um, To be honest with you, this is a kind of an interesting one. I've told people some distorted some of the things I like to do. We like to hang out at our house. Um, We have a pool in our backyard. Marion loves to hang out there a lot. I have, uh, instead of having a man cave, I kind of have a man garage. Yeah. (laughs) So in my neighborhood, a lot of in our neighborhood, a lot of people have TVs in their garage. So about five, six years ago, we put one in the garage and I have a leather couch in the garage and some stools. And so it's kind of like a man cave out in the garage. I like to spend a lot of time out there when it's not too hot watching the ball game or uh, we like to grill out a lot. So the summer is spent uh, taking care of Mitchell Park, which is what we call our live on about a half acre at our house so there's some there's some mowing to be done so we take care of that go swimming hang out at the pool hang out in the garage and uh and grill out that's that's what we like to do in the summertime
0: and the next time someone's in the st louis granite city area uh what's your restaurant bar recommendation
1: well so that so the spot we go to is called bendy's so and the funny story is bendy's was made bill married cindy so we had bill and Cindy, which made Bendy's. They are no longer married, but Bendy's is still kicking.
0: Perfect. Awesome. I I think um, we went to St. Louis. God, I wish I would have known more St. Louis people back then, but I wish we would have went to or just asked on Twitter. But we went to um, St. Louis like last spring. Not this previous spring, but like 2018 spring. I can't remember the place. There's this little, like, like a barbecue place downtown that we walked to that was absolutely fantastic and i can't remember for the life of me what that was called um There's but
1: uh of, gosh, good barbecue I, I, I
0: don't know i'll have to try it out the next time we go to st louis because it definitely really enjoyed that place
1: yeah so we we live about i live about 25 minutes from washu my wife uh is has about a 20 minute drive so i drive through downtown every day so i live <coughs> 10 or 15 minutes each way Uh, from the city of st louis so
0: perfect all right well um if anybody wanted to get in touch with you had any questions for you follow up with you what would be the best way to do it
1: sure send me an email mitchell which is m-i-t-c-h-e-l-l at wustl dot edu, or you can uh hit me up on twitter or facebook and all that good stuff uh on twitter my handle is c mitchell with two l's 99 c mitchell 99 but drop me an email and Look forward to seeing everybody at COSIDA.
0: Perfect. Well, Chris, thank you very much for uh, combating your cold and being able to speak with us today. We very much appreciate you it's coming. It's all good. So,
1: Hey, m- thanks for having me on. Much, much appreciated. Look forward to seeing uh, future episodes. Thanks, man.